Hey, Vineyard Cincinnati. It's good to see you. Glad you're here. And uh, this weekend, we're kicking off a, a new four-week series. It's called Change Up. Change Up. And we're going to be looking at the challenge of managing change in your life, the times when the, you know, the unexpected pitch comes. And so that's the change up. Now, as most of you know around here, if you've been around here for a little while, the, we've been in the process of uh, a senior pastor search here. And I've described to you some months back how nearly four years ago I felt prompted uh, from the Holy Spirit to, that I needed to step back from leadership, step down. And uh, I began kind of quietly and informally researching large churches and mega churches about succession and, and not just from one leader to the next, but down generationally. And then a couple of years after that, I asked the trustees to meet with me and have a very open conversation about succession and what I felt like God was saying and to help us process this. And so we started having a, a, a heartfelt uh, dialogue about leadership uh, succession. As I said some time back, I said, you know, we had, we had an emergency plan in case I got hit by a bus, but we didn't have a plan if the bus missed me. And so <laughs> that's what we've been working on. So for the past nine months, we've been on an extensive search. As far as my role goes, we've crafted a plan that in concert with the uh, next senior pastor, it will create ways for me to serve the mission of this church. Uh, I love the vineyard, and as I've, I've, I've told you, you know, several times, my plan is to have my ashes scattered on the ugly retention pond out in the back. So we just, want to make, we just wanted to make sure that we had a spirit-led path into the future in order to reach next generations. Churches that don't do that eventually die. And some of us have been in or seen situations like that. It's awful to watch. So last February, I told you that leaders should spend a good chunk of their time uh, thinking about the future of any organization that they help lead. Well, I want to see Vineyard Cincinnati continue to advance the mission that God has given us way beyond a single generation. And so I don't know if you saw the news this week. It broke, uh, uh, broke on TV in the middle of Once Upon a Time, if you're watching that. But this is apparently what it said. Um, yeah. I, I didn't even know we had a chimney. So that was uh, one surprise. Uh, but I am very, very excited to, to let you know that we have found our guy, and I truly sense the hand of God on all this, and so uh, as of this week, we have a new senior pastor here that I'm excited to serve, and uh, his name is Rob King. It's, uh, Rob, here he is with his, uh, yeah, well, there he is with his wife, Stephanie, and their, their kiddos, and I know what you all are thinking right now. I know what you're thinking. You're thinking, dang, I was hoping the next guy would tuck his shirt in. I mean, I was <laughs> hopeful. So next weekend, I'll be introducing Rob uh, here and interviewing him. So you get to hear his story and, and, and his heart, and then we'll all pray for him. And, and he is absolutely the right person for the job. Uh, I, can't, I can't wait for you to meet him. And uh, I'm very, very excited about his passion and, and uh, his heart for Jesus and what he's going to bring to the vineyard and to Cincinnati. So don't miss next weekend. If you want a little more information, you can just go to our website and click on the About tab, and then you'll see the link for senior pastor, the Senior Pastor Transition page there, and there's a video that we did with the shareholders a while back. So, 
this series is designed to talk about change and, and how we don't just handle it, but how we embrace it. Because if we're honest here, change makes us all a little uneasy, doesn't it? And, and even when you know change is coming, it still doesn't make it necessarily easier. The truth is, all of us have to deal with change throughout the course of our whole lifetimes. It's inevitable. That's exactly how God has designed our lives. Even now, we're making that, that uh, wonderful Cincinnati shift in, in the weather here, the changing of the seasons. And so, you know, there's no more grass cutting. And as the leaves turn from green to brown and go into the hefty bags, we get to look forward to five months of cold, wet gray. Um, and by the time April and May get here and we've gotten past the temptation to shoot ourselves, suddenly the birds are back and the t-shirts come out and life is good and we all survived another winter. Change is inevitable. Then there's also the big stuff in our lives. When change comes in an unexpected package and Maybe one day your boss calls you into the office and point blank tells you the company is downsizing and uh, you'll no longer be needed. Or uh, maybe you finally found the perfect guy, you know, and you were sure that you married Mr. Right. And then you found out his first name was always. And, and you didn't see that one coming. And now you're separated and life is terrifically changing for you. Or, or you're expecting your first child. Everything changes after that. Right? My brother-in-law in Nashville, when Anita was pregnant with our first, told me, you'll never enjoy another meal. It's like, wow, that doesn't seem like good advice. I don't know. Or you're, no kidding, eh, or maybe your job is transferring you to another state, or you've switched schools, or you're leaving home to start college a thousand miles from home, or whatever. You've been through those changes. Change is actually one of the greatest factors of stress in our lives. Demographic experts have noted the unprecedented accelerated change that's happening in the world and in our culture. Information is now just instantaneous. People change locations more, change work more, change relationships more than any other time in human history. The historian Arthur Schlesinger Jr., he wrote that nothing defines our age more than the furious and relentless increase in the rate of change. And that was 30 years ago. In the Vineyard Cincinnati survey that we took some time back, remember when we all did the survey a few months ago? We discovered that over half of the people who come here have come only in the last five years. That's a lot of change, right? So all of us deal with change from time to time, whether it's a relationship or jobs or bosses or houses or schools or status, whatever. But if change is inevitable, why is it so hard? I think because change, by its very virtue, implies the loss of something, something familiar. I mean, think about your own life. You know, you were, you were once a comfortable little fetus in your mother's womb. And then after a few months, things began to get uncomfortably tight and claustrophobic. And you placed a few good kicks, but no one seemed to notice. And no one did anything. Still, it was warm and dark and cozy and quiet and comfy, except, you know, when your mom ate burritos or something. But one day, you're sitting in your living room, and the landlord decides that you're getting too big for your britches, even though you're naked. 
and muscles begin contracting and fluids begin to shift and you find your head getting squished as you squeeze through a narrow canal and pushed out into a cold, bright, fluorescent lit room with people in masks and slapping your bottom and cutting the cord that connected you to life and putting a really ugly pastel cap on your head. <laughs> That's change. You've already experienced that. Or climbing the steps, you know, of the big yellow school bus that would take you to kindergarten and away from your family, and more importantly, your toys. And, or, you know, that first day of gym class. Or the dreaded SAT test days. Or the day you left home in a 12-year-old Corolla with all your earthly belongings in the back seat in the trunk, right? The Bible says in, in a no-nonsense voice that for everything, there's a season, there's a, there's a time, a time for every matter under heaven. And there are seasons in what God wants to do on planet earth. It's interesting that in, that in all the things that God initiates in the Bible to accomplish his will, all those, you know, hinge points in history, it always involves a human being who would make themselves available to God and then God taking them through big changes. I mean, just, just imagine with me God speaking to Abraham for the first time and saying, Abram, leave your country, leave your people and your father's household. And ever, in other words, everything that's familiar with you, familiar to you, leave and go with, to the land that I will show you. And it's out of that lineage that the nation of Israel would be formed and set into motion the vehicle through which the Messiah for the planet would come. Or the story of Joseph, who got slammed with totally unexpected change when his jealous brothers decided to throw him into a well and then sell him off to some Egyptian slave traders heading, you know, heading back to Egypt. It's, this is the same Joseph who was eventually raised up as the COO of the mighty Egyptian empire many years later. He develops a strategic plan that saves an entire people from the devastation of a seven-year famine, including his own family. And when his brothers are finally reunited with him years and years later, they're scared to death of him. And then it reads that Joseph said to them, don't be afraid. Am I in the place of God? You intended to harm me, but God intended it for good to accomplish what is now being done, the saving of many lives. And so then don't be afraid. I'll take care of you. I'll provide for you and your children. And he reassured them and spoke kindly to them. Or what about the angel speaking to a teenage Jewish girl who's totally freaked and overwhelmed by the sight of this creature? There's a reason why, you know, you know, Christmas time comes, you get these little porcelain angels or paintings of little girly-looking angels with curls and a little halo. That's never how the Bible describes them. And anytime they show up in the Bible, the first thing they say is, don't panic. Don't be afraid. And so this creature shows up and, and she's told, you'll be with child and give birth to a son and you're to give him the name Jesus. Yeah. Means God saves. And he'll be great and he'll be called the son of the most high. So Mary's life was totally turned upside down by major change. As a matter of fact, there's this old prophetic guy in the New Testament named Simeon who even points out to Mary, just after the baby is born, he says, the thoughts of, of many hearts will be revealed by him. 
And a sword will pierce your own soul too, Mary. She would be changed as well. But here's the big idea with all this. No growth, whether spiritual, emotional, physical, no growth can happen without change. None. Doesn't matter whether it's a person, whether it's an organization or a a corporation or the kingdom of God. If we want to know God deeply, to truly know him and to be used by him and to enter in what, what he wants to do in and through us, we have to expect and embrace change. And, and here's what's reassuring in all of that. The God who demands that we change is also the same God who says, I'm the Lord and I do not change. In other words, God is that which is solid for us in the middle of any transition. Because God God knows that we have to have a certain amount of change in our lives, a certain amount of challenge that change brings in order to feel fully alive, in order that we'll make new decisions that'll that'll force us to choose him and and to engage with with his kingdom more fully and and deeply. That, That may be why the Apostle Paul in one of his last letters writes to his friend and says, I die daily. You know, perhaps meaning that, that every day we may have to leave what is familiar to us in order to grow closer to the God of our souls. Growth only comes through change. And if you're surrendered to Jesus, he will initiate change in your life, guaranteed. I think that's why Paul, earlier he wrote that, that as the Spirit of the Lord works within us, we become more and more like him and reflect his glory even more. Or as one translation says, we're changed from glory to glory. Only change makes that possible. See? In, in, in his classic book, Flow, the Hungarian author and Professor Csikszentmihalyi, Haye, what a name, huh? He gives a fascinating account of um, a native North American tribe in British Columbia. It's true. And he writes, the Shushwap region was and is considered by the Indian people to be a rich place, rich in salmon and game, rich in below-ground food resources such as tubers and roots, a plentiful land. In this region, the people would live in permanent village sites and exploit the environs for needed resources. They had elaborate technologies for very effectively using the resources of the environment and perceived their lives as being good and rich. Yet... The elder said, at times the world became too predictable and the challenge began to go out of life. And without challenge, life has no meaning. And so the elders in their wisdom would decide that the entire village should move every 25 to 30 years. The entire population would move to a different part of the Shashwap land, and there they found challenge. There were new streams to figure out, and new game trails to learn, and new areas where balsam root would be plentiful. Now life would regain its meaning and be worth living. Everyone would feel rejuvenated and healthy. Isn't that fascinating? I would just like to live in a town like this. You know, one day the city council in Finneytown says, okay, we're all moving to North Dakota. Let's go. And boom, I guess. Here's the deal. We are, we are stimulated in life or we're in our flow, flow, when there's a balance between anxiety 
and routine or boredom. <laughs> Challenge and routine. And if we don't have a balance going periodically between those two, you know, we just don't grow. There's nothing that happens there. I believe that ever so often God uproots us to another part of our emotional landscape. You know, out of the typical comfort zones that we live in into fresh adventures for our souls and for our minds, for our spiritual growth. You know. Not geographically, though it might be that, but internally. You know. I, I have a theory that I believe everything that we'll ever need to handle change, God gives us right before we need it. Right before we need it. It's been my observation of how God deals with me. He's been so, so good over the, you know, whatever it's been, 35 years I've followed him. My observation is, is that God is never late, but I've rarely seen him early. It seems to be right at the moment you need it comes. You know. have, you, have you ever thought about just the immense changes that the early church went through, the first century church? You know, from the end of the Gospels into the book of Acts, just think for a moment about the sequence of events that take place. For instance, the, the leader of this new movement, Jesus, is killed after three years of relationship building. Right? And then one of the 12 inside guys that were trusted with this, one of the 12 inside guys commits suicide. Then, three days later, the leader shows up unexpectedly from the dead. He, he shows up not at the door, but through the door. And then about six weeks later, he disappears again, leaving them with minimal instructions. Go to Jerusalem and wait for the power of the Holy Spirit. Yeah. Then 10 days later, 120 of them are hiding out, and they get blasted by God and start speaking in different languages. And 3,000 people joined their group in that one afternoon. And then a few days later, a well-known guy, well-known in the city because of he, he was handicapped, gets healed. And 5,000 more people joined the church that day. This is a church that still doesn't have a name. It doesn't have a Sunday school program. It doesn't have a small groups pastor. Or they don't even have a building yet. And then the two main pastors, they get arrested and thrown in jail. And then one day, after one of their deacons is put to death, massive persecution breaks out, and everybody in the church is scattered. Now, that's change. <laughs> that's change. There's always change in God's kingdom. And for the person who's made him the Lord of their life, you can bank, you can bank on it, change. And the only thing that doesn't change is the character of God. I am the Lord. I, I change not. Or as the writer of Hebrews puts it, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And he's doing that now as we go into our next season of leadership here at the Vineyard. God is all about change. You know. Let me ask you, who was the one who said, all authority has been given to me on heaven and earth? Who said that? Who? Thank you. I was getting scared there. That I haven't done well. And remember, the person with the authority has the right to change things, right? That's how it works at your job, how it works in your company, in your organization, and that's how it works in the kingdom of God. The person with the authority has the right 
to change things. And in our case, that's Jesus. He's head of the church. And he's the one with the authority in this place. And, and when he whispers, it's time to change, believe me, it's time to change. So what would happen if you began to view the change in your life or the change in this place? What would happen if you began to view change through the lens of God's sovereignty? What would happen? What, what if in the middle of change you began to say to God, you never change. You're good. I can trust you. And so change me in the middle of this, God. Change me. Vineyard, our best years are ahead of us. That's just not a slogan, you know, because we follow the one who holds the future in his hands, right? Anita and I have been a part of this place for, for 29 years. I've been in this role for 13 years. And, and I want to thank you for allowing me the privilege of leading and serving with you. And thank you in advance for the support and the, and the grace that you'll give to Rob in this next new chapter of Vineyard Cincinnati. I'll serve alongside you. you know. The best really is yet to come. Because think about it. We've been on so many great adventures together. Oh, my word. Why, why would the God who has been so good to us in the past not be good to us in the future? Remember? He's God. He doesn't change. You can trust him. Right? It's the same yesterday, today, and forever. So, circle your calendar. Do not miss next weekend. I'm so excited for you to meet Rob. You with me? Yeah. Let's pray. Father, you, uh, you're, you're awesome. We love it, God. When you lead us through in the middle of change and we, we just, it just excites us to know, Father, that you you hold our futures in your hand and, and we can trust you because you're our Father. You're good. So we lean into you in new ways, Father. We make new decisions and that honor you, that glorify you, that, uh, that uh, confirm our, um, our reliance on you and our love for you. So God, thank you. Invite you now just to come in the power of your spirit in this place, God. And Father, I pray specifically now for any of us here who are going through personal changes in our lives, and maybe it's uh, something to do with a job or a relationship or change in location or whatever that is, God, change in status. Uh, I pray right now for the power of your spirit to fall upon them, Father, and that they would hold on to you in the middle of change, God. They would trust your character, that you're good, that you give us what we need at the moment we need it. That even the change itself will cause us to latch on to you in new and empowering ways, Father. So come in the power of your spirit, Father. Thank you, God. Sing this uh, little chorus. The life we have in him. Mm. 
that in the middle of transition and change and shifting sands, he is the one we draw close to, the one who is solid. And what joy is found in communion with you, beholding your beauty, Knowing your truth and living a life, yes, God, thank you, that pleases your heart, yes, Father, responding with praises to all that you are, singing, oh, how. Lovely is the King in all His glory is the Christ who is holy, who was, who is, and how amazing is His love, so unfailing is His grace. That draws us near. I've come to worship. I've come to bow down. To seek only your face. Laying down my crown. Let's sing that again. I've come to worship and I've come to bow down to seek only your face I'm laying down my crown singing oh how lovely is the king all his glory is the Christ who is holy, who was, who is, and how amazing is his love, so unfailing is his grace that draws us near. So, Father, we worship you. We thank you. For your mercy and your grace, the things that you have in store for us, we can't even imagine. Thank you. It's in the mighty name of Jesus that we pray. Amen. Let's all stand. Prayer team, come on down. Maybe you're wrestling with some change and just would love to have someone just pray over you for a few minutes. That would be awesome. These people would love to do it. God bless you guys. Have an amazing week. And do not miss next weekend. I'll see you then. And if you're new, come on over to the 10-Minute Meetup. I'd love to meet you.